0: Hello and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. Today we'll be speaking with Weston W. from Indianapolis, Indiana. In this episode, Weston shares his experience, strength, and hope as an atheist in AA. We'll also talk about his views of the 12 steps in sponsorship and much, much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Justin, uh, thank you for joining us. I appreciate this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Been, uh, been excited about the opportunity, like a like a good AAer. I've been, you know, like in my head thinking about what I'm going to talk about. Of course, you know.
0: Sure. <laughs> so, how did you uh, you you found us um, online? So, were, have you been uh, visiting AA Agnostica for a while? Are you very familiar with the site and so forth?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been visiting for about two two and a half years. Um, okay. Yeah, because uh, my sobriety day is July
0: eighth, twenty thirteen. Okay. Um,
1: and uh, yeah, ever ever since I I came into the program, you know, um, I, I am you know self self proclaimed atheist, and you know, yeah, um, it, it was it was a tough tough go from the beginning, and thankfully, yeah, um, kind of fell into to the website when I was doing like a, a Google search.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. Um,
1: I I think you know. The, the odds were already stacked against me. Um, my my dad would be more than fine with me sharing that he's been in the program for 28 years. Cool. Um, you know, uh, my mom probably qualifies for the program, but, you know, has chosen a different, a different path. So genetically, it's all up and down, both sides of my family, addiction just in general. And uh, I... I had always had it in my mind, you know, like I can't, I can't drink, you know, one drop of alcohol is going to turn me into an alcoholic was like the joke that I had through high school. Mm -hmm. And as high school kind of started wrapping down, I I was done with sports, just kind of, you know, just kind of picked it up, just was just drinking and partying and and, and experimenting a lot of ways that I I hadn't um, because I was trying to get good grades, stay active in sports. And um, I, I think pretty quickly... I realized that I was doing it differently than other people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I feel like I, I I would carry like guilt and like shame and remorse uh, yeah. around, and, and I didn't see that in other people, and I didn't see you know everyone getting blackout drunk
0: every single time, right. and I was a blackout drunk from the very beginning. Yeah,
1: um, and it just you know how our stories go. It just you know proceeded to just kind of um, just kind of get worse over time. Um, you know, I, I know this this is an AA you know program, and, mm-hmm. um, but drugs are definitely a part of the story. Uh, oh yeah, you know a, a lot more illicit drug use prior to college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because by the time I um, ended up going back to school um, it was just way more socially acceptable to just drink. Yeah. And, uh, so I just kind of, you know, was like a chameleon, you know, it, it's so easy to just blend in at college. You, yeah. you just surround yourself with, with some normies that are just, you know, like amateur hour and it, you know, you have no problem just blending in.
0: Yeah. Well, that's quite similar to, to my story. Um, yeah, I I grew up in the '70s, and uh, so drugs, you know, marijuana in particular, was pretty prevalent. But uh, my parents were just happy; they were okay with us drinking as long as we didn't do drugs. Um, but it turns out that alcohol is a drug too, <laughs> and it's yeah. it's uh, probably just as deadly as any other, if not more so. Right? Um,
1: yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of them that you black out and.
0: It's kind of funny. I actually would have been we would have been better off as kids uh, smoking dope than we would have been <laughs> drinking uh vodka and crap and driving around. Right. But anyway. Yeah. That was the, that was the attitude back then and and then I went to college and you know I already I I my drinking is already out of control Then in college it just got it's got it got even worse. And I and I I can relate with the remorse too. I think I almost always experienced that uh went along with the drinking.
1: Yeah, and it was probably, you know, maybe a year into into um, my third attempt at college, I eventually graduated from Ball State uh, mm-hmm. there in, in Indiana um, in 2007. So maybe like by about, it would have been probably 2003, 2004 is when I started like thinking about how I needed to try and control my drinking, yeah. you know, that was when I would say, well, I'm going to put it down for a month or I'm going to put it down forever and know how that goes it was (laughs) by Friday you know I have bounced back from the prior weekend and you know I have I've come to understand now about the idea of changing people places and things you know changing Mm -hmm. ideas I wasn't doing any of that stuff of course
0: Mm -hmm. you know
1: I was just trying to kind of willpower it and, and unfortunately that didn't get far
0: so what got you to go to your first meeting
1: um it was it was probably it was right around that same time maybe my second year um off campus there at, at ball state i um I, I started doing some kind of online research and one of the biggest issues of course was reading the 12 steps and seeing mm-hmm. one particular word right that kind of stood out like a neon flash you know
0: like god
1: <laughs> yeah there's like sparklers around it and, it just like zooms me in, and you
0: know. that is interesting to hear because, of course, I'm obviously I, I predate the the internet, <laughs> and so uh, there was no internet when I when I when I was trying to find out about mm-hmm. AA. And I think that um, with millennials now, the very first place they're going to go went before they mm-hmm. before they even go to a DMAA meeting, they're going to go to the internet. Right. They're going right. to read about AA, uh-huh. and so that's what you did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and then I, look, I looked up a meeting because I was like, well, maybe I'll just go check it out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I went and it confirmed all my biases. You know, it was, yeah. it was a bunch of old white, you know, divorced males, you know, that, you know, uh, didn't look like they're very friendly. But that was all my interpretation, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if I could somehow replay that. It was probably actually just like most meetings where they were actually happy to see each other and, and upbeat, but I was the one coming in miserable. Um, I don't remember really anything about that first meeting. Um, I, I don't think I don't know if I even you know um, said my name. I'm right. sure I didn't say I was an alcoholic. Yeah. I was still playing that semantics game of well, I'm really a binge drinker. I, I I'm a problem drinker.
0: I, right, you know those games that we play. Yeah, I didn't know what I was <laughs> at my first meeting, and i I didn't say anything at my first meeting either. And I I, I I sensed that nobody was expecting me to say anything because I I was just I was just such a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but I did feel pretty welcomed at that meeting. I mean, I, I really did get the sense that people were people did care about me and that they understood where I was coming from.
1: Yeah, I didn't share anything. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't share anything.
0: Now. Around here, every single meeting closes the Lord's Prayer, and that's what they did at my first meeting. Do they do that where you're from?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, like, I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy with, you know, there's not too much of my anonymity I'm afraid of giving away. Um, mm-hmm. I live in Indiana, in central mm-hmm. Indiana, in a suburb, yeah. suburb of Indianapolis. So, okay. you know, kind of cusp, on the cusp of the Bible Belt type stuff. And,
0: um, Right, you're in Dr. Bob country. Yeah,
1: yeah, there we go. So, yeah, they're, every meeting except for the two... Um, we agnostic meetings that we have all, all end in,
0: in the Lord's prayer. So do you go to the, we agnostics meetings in um, Indianapolis? Yeah. Or?
1: Yeah. I consider I mean, there's two, there's one on a Thursday and then one on a Sunday and that's the only two in the Indianapolis Metro area currently. Um, I consider the Thursday my, my home group, but it's, it's a little mm-hmm. tough to get to sometimes with my work schedule. Um, yeah. But yeah, that it's, um, it's, it's awesome to have that opportunity when I know that there's so many out there that don't. Yeah.
0: So, how long how long were you going to meetings before you learned about that?
1: Um, well, I mean to 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 back back up a little bit after that, mm-hmm. that first meeting, it was probably eight eight or nine years before I tried anything else again. Gotcha. Um, okay. I graduated from college and went out to Arizona for a year a term of service with public ally or with AmeriCorps, it's not mm-hmm. like the domestic Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. I went out there and I was thinking, oh, you know, they, they live better out in Arizona. They're cleaner and healthier. Like, you know, that'll help cut down on my drinking, you know, that mm-hmm. first kind of big geographical change that I, I thought would, would put an end to things. And I remember struggling majorly out there, major bout of depression. Um, I, I know I called a suicide hotline at, at least once. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I went to try and talk to somebody about maybe doing like a PHP or an inpatient program or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think he he mentioned something about God, you know, with, with mm-hmm. this, the 12-step stuff was in front of me. And it was the first time that I heard somebody say, well, it's a higher power, really. Make it anything you want. But mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to hear that. Right. It wasn't. It was still like, okay, I'm smarter than you guys. You know, I know you're just playing these word games. You're just this semantics. You're still talking right. to God. You know, knock it off. Um, <laughs> so then it was just, you know, a few more years of pain. Um, the alcohol started creating terrible anxiety. So st- started having like real bad panic attacks, um, real bad anxiety. So I got put on Kalonapin. like a sedative type thing. And, you know, I just started abusing those real bad and drinking on top
0: of them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all my
1: friends and family used to say, you know, you're a real jerk when you're drinking you know, real, real jerk. But when you're drinking on top of those, you, it's an entirely different level of
0: darkness. Wow.
1: You know, it's like, we don't even recognize you as a human being when you're, you know, you're, you're mixing those two. Um, so, you know, I'm going at it pretty hard with those and, um, you know, I'll, I'll touch on my bottom a little bit. Um, it's, it was, uh, it started probably about April, 2013, May, 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in a, in a friend's wedding and, swallowed some of those pills and went and got a fifth. I was like, oh, it's a wedding. You know, people drink and party and stuff like that. And I end up getting blackout drunk, um, embarrassed myself. I disappeared during the pictures. And, you know, he just sent me a letter saying, you know, like, hey, man, I, you're, you seem to be in a lot of pain. You need some help.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So there, were, there was lots of people that noticed it before me, for sure.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the way it is for us. It was certainly was for me. And was is that what finally got you to get to that meeting?
1: Well, <laughs> it was it was close. It was you know maybe, I think I might have dried out for a little bit and then um, you know didn't do anything. Picked everything back up. Probably not too much longer after that. Got a mm-hmm. car accident where I curbed my car. Woke up face down uh, on my mom's couch, not knowing anything about. Really, the prior 24 hours. It was the first time somebody said out loud, my stepdad was there, and it was the first time someone out loud said, "You should probably get some help for this." Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went home. My wife had actually kicked me out on that Friday, so I was out all Friday night, Saturday, I woke up Sunday morning, face down at my mom's, like I said, and uh, it was the first. I went home, and she was shocked to see me. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So and I told her, I said out loud for the first time, I think I need help.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I I can't I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it on my own. Yeah. And so I remember saying those words.
1: <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's that's kind of like one of those flashball moments in,
0: in my yeah. life. And she went right
1: to the computer and, and started uh, searching treatment centers. And I am extremely grateful and lucky. Or the fact that we have a top-notch treatment center here in indianapolis mm-hmm. it's called fairbanks and it's 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 just it's it's renowned throughout the state you know it's it's thank okay. me, it's real close to us it was like uh it's like a 20-minute drive from from where mm-hmm. i live and went, went into treatment and wasn't i wasn't really coherent for the first two days probably um they thought maybe i tried a suicide attempt because i swallowed mm-hmm. you know model because i was i'm a good addict and they said they're like why'd you do that i'm like well because you were going to throw it away you know (laughs) yeah um and uh while i was there it was was the first time that i i started listening you know Mm -hmm. i had always just been a big talker uh, which you might notice (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know i i get kind of carried away sometimes and you know just i I started listening and that's where things really started changing
0: so what type of um, did they did they do like the twelve step model at that treatment center? Yeah,
1: uh huh. They they yep. They are a uh, they they are, they are they teach the twelve step model. You know, of course, don't
0: say it's, uh-huh. it's not officially
1: AA sponsored
0: or anything. Right. Because, you know, you
1: have that kind of stuff going on.
0: But that's what most treatment centers do, I think, is they probably they probably encourage AA and all that kind of thing.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. You know, they, they teach. It- step model but you know they'll often say but there's other ways of doing it this is just the one way that we teach that seems to have helped a lot of people yeah you know they don't really touch too much on smart recovery they don't really touch Mm -hmm. too much on like celebrate recovery i don't know if they have cr out there
0: i haven't even heard of that celebrate recovery yeah
1: it's it's just like a it's like jesus me the 12 steps are going to get me sober basically
0: Oh, it's a Christian, it's a Christian-based thing? Oh, yeah, 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 super. Oh, super okay. Christian. Yeah,
1: that's that, okay. that church is
0: and it's is that kind of popular where you are?
1: Um, I mean it, it exists. I, yeah. I mean, it, there's a few few of them, so it, it, yeah. they're pretty pretty um well attended the few that there are.
0: Well, I guess I was I was asking about that because I was wondering, how did they I mean, did you let them know you were an atheist when you're in treatment and how did they approach that if you did?
1: Um Definitely would come up like they would have alumni panels, you know, people that were former patients that would come in and speak, mm-hmm. and a lot of them would start touching on the, the problem that they had with the God thing when they when they came in. Yeah. So that kinda gave me some hope. And I remember vividly actually opened up the big book and you know, amazingly enough started reading it, which is shocking, mm-hmm. you know, to think that someone in treatment would actually open the book and read it. Yeah. And I remember getting to we agnostics and just like falling apart. Uh, yeah, I'm like bawling my eyes out, throwing the book across the room, I'm <laughs> yelling at it, you know? And there was, it was a part of me that was like, I, I can't do
0: this. Right. I,
1: I, I, just, I don't see how I'm going to be able to do it.
0: They got to take that chapter out. That chapter is basically saying that it's not going to, we have to change our belief system.
1: Right, right. It's so condescending and it's just, well, but what that led me to, to, to get where it, where it took me was there was this, this old grizzled Vietnam vet that was in there that you could tell he had been in and out of treatment for probably the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. Real, real well versed in in AA. And Mm -hmm. for the first time I heard the idea of take what works and leave the rest. Yeah. Like, and that just, that changed everything for me literally everything yeah. when he said that i was like yeah that makes a lot of sense let me mm-hmm. let me start finding things in here that will work for me
0: right right
1: rather than taking and just throwing it all away and thinking nothing uh, nothing will work for me rather than switching that around and that that was crucial that changed everything for me um that and there was a there was a um, an employee there um, she was a we were called texts. Um, it's kind of like a nurse, kind of like a counselor slash type thing. And she said, "Hey, I'm 20 years sober and I'm an atheist." Oh. And that was the first time in person I experienced that.
0: Yeah. And that was good of her to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she she saw how bad I was struggling. Uh, yeah. And said, "Hey, you know, here's here's the meetings. Um, circled the we agnostics, uh, wrote down a name, and said, hey, ask for this guy.' And um, that was that was really crucial for me.
0: Well, very cool. That is very. You are fortunate that you had that agnostic, two agnostic meetings in your area. Um, that's great. I you know I I didn't have that. I didn't even know about it, such a thing until a few years ago. And so I spent decades in AA." You know, uh, just trying to do it by the book. I went to a group that was really a by-the-book you know, type of a group. So um, that would have been nice to have that option. I don't, I don't know if I would have chosen it or not, though. I don't know back then, but yeah. I don't know what I was. Yeah,
1: I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been pretty much an ardent, pretty ardent atheist since I was probably about 21. Um, mm-hmm. I was pretty much just leaned agnostic. Prior, prior, prior five, ten years, um, yeah. took a classical mythologies course and was like, "Oh, wait a minute! Like all of these stories are the same, and they yeah. repeat since the beginning of human history when we started writing stories down." It, yeah.
0: yeah, It's funny. I, I, um, I was, I, did, I, I didn't grow up in a religious family, I knew absolutely nothing about religion, and I always thought that my problem was I didn't know how to believe in God that I, you know, I didn't know enough or whatever. And I tried to believe, and I, I actually read the Bible and I took a class about, um, the New Testament as literature. And it's funny when you really read the New Testament as literature, it's really interesting because you learn how they get all those books together. And then you, then you kind of realize, oh no, this is, th- these are people that put this thing together, you know? It's, so yeah, it's, it's interesting, but yeah. I, so I, I don't know what I was. And I finally, uh, I was, I was always trying to fit in, I guess, and try to figure out a way to make it work. Did that for a long time. Then I finally said, hell, you know what? I'm an atheist. And, uh, then I, then the program really came to life for me, but unfortunately it took a couple of decades. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and I, I, religion wasn't something that was really pressed upon me. Um uh, mm-hmm. I, I was baptized Catholic, but, um, uh, my my grandma would go to Catholic service, but on my dad's side it was they were they would go to this church where they'd kinda like sing and dance and speak in tongues. I don't know what oh, really? I don't know what the particular denomination was, but it was usually kinda upbeat and I didn't I didn't overly hate going, but I didn't get I never feel like I got anything out of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: and you know, I'm just grateful that my, my dad was he, he was he's always just been open to, to me. Letting letting me figure things out on my own or experiencing things on my own.
0: Yeah, and he's in the program. Yes, yes, that's, correct. that's cool.
1: Uh, I think this year or in 2016, I think will be 29 years.
0: That's great. Yeah. So what are the meetings like? The agnostic meetings you go to? Are they pretty big?
1: Um. Well, the, I primarily go to the one on Thursday. Um, but I, the Sunday one's really hard to get to. Mm-hmm. The uh the Thursday, any anywhere from at a minimum, usually fifteen, up to mm-hmm. thirty,
0: thirty-five. Wow. You know, That's pretty good.
1: Uh-huh.
0: We've been meeting for a year in Kansas City and well, actually more than a year now. Uh we get between fifteen to twenty. Some I think the most we've had was twenty five at one time. Mm-hmm. And I remember if I if I ever heard someone having fifteen people at a meeting, I'd think, Oh man. It's a lot of people, but 30, 35, that's, that's really great. Well,
1: and, and it's at, the meetings are at um, a big club. We have four or five clubs in in the Indianapolis metro area. Okay. Um, So there, there, it's not necessarily always just people labeled agnostics or atheists. You know, sometimes it's just people that need a meeting.
0: You know, See, that's something I've learned. Different cities have the AA is set up a little bit differently because um, I think that St. Louis is somewhat similar to what you're describing in Indianapolis. They have like Alano clubs where you'll have several groups or meetings that will meet in in the club. Mm-hmm. Is that how you yeah. have it set up? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: There's there's one in the in the actual town I live in, and you know they hold AA meetings and hold NA meetings,
0: and you know, yeah, and,
1: uh, the meetings just pay pays the, the rent
0: to the, to the building. See, we don't have anything like that here. I mean, our, our group one has an Alano club and they have a clubhouse, but that they're the only group that meets there. And most of the groups here in Kansas City have their own place. I mean, they're, they're, they're oftentimes in storefronts or their little houses or whatever. Like the old, my old home group met in a little house that was um, owned by a church. Uh, then you have some groups that meet in like ours meets meets in a church and church basements and stuff like that. But the, we didn't ha- we don't have the Alano clubs where you have several different meetings or groups going on in one place.
1: And I, and I don't want it to to seem as if those were the those are or were the only meetings that I went to. Sure. Um, you know, I I hit I, I I definitely spent in those early days and even today, like I, I still spend plenty of time in not um mm-hmm. non agnostic atheist meetings
0: do you do okay in those meetings
1: um most of the time most of the time there's 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 on on occasion you know a particular topic might come up and people start spouting off about things that just make me roll my eyes so hard that I feel like I'm going to knock myself out of my chair but you know the thing that's different today from the past, is that I'm at least willing to, I'm able to sit there and see yeah. what maybe I could get out of it. Or I can say, okay, this is what's helping this person stay sober. And yeah. I, I don't agree with it. I think it's nonsense, you know, but, you know, this is helping them. And that's what's helped yeah. me a great deal with the Lord's, the Lord's prayer. Right. Because I was probably a week a week in, maybe two weeks into everything, and I looked up online, you know, some things about it and, you know, people's reactions to it. And I read a comment about uh, how someone, you know, he was agnostic or atheist, how he dealt with it. He said he looked up, he looked around the room, and he'd see how much good it was doing for other people yeah. and thought to himself, who am I to be the selfish jerk? To make stink about this when it's helping so many people around me. Yeah. So that's kind of what I do, and then I might look around and see if there's anybody else not saying it. Um, mm-hmm. We have a thing in our area where there's this um, this this um, retreat that we go to, and they say we've we've spent enough time with our heads down. Keep your head up, and then uh-huh. you know, like we'll nod to each other because um, you know we went to that retreat and spent that time together.
0: Okay. So, do, are you comfortable in those meetings just being honest and, and sharing your your view of the program and how you experience it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a that's a key part of you know as of, as what I see as my 12-step. You know, is carrying that message that uh, a non-believer, a non-traditional belief system. You know, whatever it is, however you want to label it, you can make it work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crucial because. You don't get too much pushback?
1: No. You know, every once in a while, here or there, someone will slide me a note about God, or, oh, really? you know, someone might say, well, my, you know, higher power is Jesus or is God. Yeah. I'm like, okay.
0: And, I know. It's <laughs> it's really the very minority. It's a small minority of people that are like that. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. most of AA is so tolerant. Most people I don't even think are really all that religious, but it's just those few that that make it hard for a lot of people, but they're 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 much they're a small minority of people. Yeah, I
1: feel like that's such an important thing to do and and I keep it respectful, of course, you know, sure. depending on what the topic is. If the topic is something to do with higher power or God or whatever. Uh-huh. Then yes, I'm absolutely going to reference the fact I'm an atheist in the
0: program. I've, yeah. But if it's a non, if it's
1: just you know, just talking about sure like tradition three or like you know uh-huh. like I don't know something you know talking about making amends or whatever right you know, like it's it's not really even necessary to, to talk about.
0: That's right. There's a lot in the program that's just just practical stuff. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have anything to do with the with any kind of. A, belief in anything yeah but.
1: and i and i do it for that newcomer that might be coming in that yeah. is like terrified of like i uh, can't do this i can't do this with the god stuff and mm-hmm. you know so i, I always want to make sure that you know i i put it out there and present it to people yeah i'm i'm definitely very open about it
0: um the people so it sounds like you actually go through the steps you you i, I do too i believe in the steps i like the steps mm-hmm. do, do you
1: yeah yeah i've I thoroughly worked through them um, right out of treatment. I, I got mm-hmm. a sponsor, and you know, it's one of those—it's one of those crazy things. I—I I, I was in IOP at a counselor that said, "Hey, you got to go to meetings." She said, "Go to this particular meeting, and they, that's, that the goal is to find sponsors there." And I—I um, I can be really lazy. <laughs> you know, I can—I mm-hmm. can. Uh, I can um, go out of my way to be lazy sometimes. Well,
0: and, me too. Uh, yeah,
1: um, I love convenience. And this, uh-huh. I went to this meeting. I, I happened to sit next to this gentleman that raised his hand when he said, you know, when they asked if would you be willing to sponsor, raised my hand when you know said looking for a sponsor. And actually, I, I have a, a, a forty-two, uh, the number forty-two tattooed on my my forearm, uh-huh. um, in reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy okay um, answer to life the universe and everything and uh, okay. he has a 20 he had, he had a 24 on his wrist and huh. i was like that's i was like oh that's close enough he's sitting right next to me i'm, I'm going to ask him uh, cuz that's mm-hmm. just how i operate it, it was really convenient and uh, come to find out he's agnostic like mm-hmm. it was just it couldn't have worked out any better um, started working through with him probably Three, four months in, I joined up uh, into a workshop, and um, there was another gentleman just a couple years younger than me, um, also agnostic, atheist, open minded, Mm -hmm. you know, just trying to figure out all this stuff. And the the combination of those two were crucial working with my step or with my sponsor and then uh,
0: through the workshop. What's the workshop? Tell me about that.
1: that that particular one was working the working the twelve steps with a group um, through the through the twelve and twelve.
0: Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So it's kinda of like a study where, where it's like a meeting that's specifically designed for going through the twelve by twelve. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. And,
1: and you'll do you do one step at a time and you don't move forward until everyone feels ready. Huh. Uh, so yeah, you know, um, it's it's a really good opportunity for new newcomers. Um, I, I sat in it for the, uh, the first month of this year, but my work schedule yeah.
0: changed, and in the first, the first meeting, it went from
1: someone with 60 days to someone mm-hmm. with, it, it was like 27, 28 years.
0: So, wow.
1: And there was 30 guys in there, or so pretty pretty wide gamut you know, of, yeah. of,
0: of, of experience. You know, I used to like the 12 and 12 and I used to go to a meeting, a 12 and 12 meeting. I, I, we used to, well, we used to go to a lot of them back in the old days, but um, I don't like it anymore, yeah. <laughs> but I used to, I used to like it. I, and one of these days I'll like it again. There's a lot yeah. of good stuff in there. Uh-huh. There really is. I, I, I The w- one thing I liked about the 12 and 12 is that it, it went deeper mm-hmm. than the big mm-hmm. book on a real psychological level. He really touched, touches us emotionally and psychologically in that book. Yeah. And I like that part of it.
1: Yeah. And my sponsor always uses the line and I'm, you know, you've heard it before more will be revealed. And yeah, you know, it's been revealed to me that Bill was in a very dark place when he wrote that book. And
0: yes, yeah. you're right. He was, <laughs> he was going through a serious depression at that yes, time.
1: And it, it comes out very much. It so. does,
0: doesn't it? It's, I never really thought about that, but it really does. It's,
1: it's almost old Testament style in some of the, some of the approaches and, and, and areas of it. And, yeah, and a lot of condescension, you know. When he
0: yeah, that when he talks about religion in that book, he gets it all wrong. But he and atheism, he talk, he gets it all wrong. But other stuff he gets right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, there's stuff that is really important to me when he read step one, talking about those ten or fifteen. 15- literal years, those years of literal hell we don't have to go through anymore. I always, if, if I'm in a meeting and step one is referenced in regards to the 12 and 12, I always, you know, I'll thank the the older folks that are there, you know, and tell, Hey, thanks for doing that extra 10 or 15 years for me. Like that, that stands out as something that is vital to me out of that
0: book. Absolutely. You know, I, I came in pretty young too. I was 25 when I came to my first meeting Been sober since then. And I didn't really feel young though (laughs) at the time. But, um, I, I couldn't, um, I can't imagine going through another five, 10, 15, 20 years of drinking. Um, good. You know, that's just, I just couldn't imagine it was bad enough as it was at the time.
1: I don't don't see how I possibly could have survived. I was 29 about to be 30 when I went into treatment. I turned 30
0: a few
1: weeks after treatment. And I, I kind of use the analogy. Um, or metaphor, I don't know, um, of playing Russian roulette. Yeah, like I pulled that trigger so many times and it didn't go off. Yeah, feel like this is my one chance. Um, you know, thankfully in these two and a half years, I, you know, haven't had a relapse. Um, I've taken a great deal of the suggestions, not all of them, but mm-hmm. a lot. You know, compared to. It's, it's definitely one of those progress, not perfection, things. You know, I, I hated the cliches so freaking much when I first started, yeah. but um, progress is definitely the fact that I can figure out a good way to make it work rather than just shutting it all
0: out. Right. Yep, I, I agree with you on that. So, do, are there um, are there a lot of younger people coming into the program that you see in, in the meetings over there?
1: it kind of depends um, we actually have some young people's meetings mm-hmm. um, there's, it's a, there's a group called like inkipa um, mm-hmm. it's like for you know
0: younger younger guys and girls mm-hmm. getting, getting into the program so a lot of them
1: will, will will tend to maybe hit those first yeah and then yeah there's there's a,
0: i guess that's about as how it is over here we have some groups that where, where younger people are probably more attracted we're starting to pick up more younger people at our group where, um, where we
1: see you know the young the 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 biggest influx are addicts, people that will self-identify as addicts in meetings. That's Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of young, a lot of youth. Um, Yeah, and that's just because of this terrible, terrible heroin epidemic. That's that's,
0: damn. Are you experiencing that in uh, Indianapolis? Yeah,
1: yeah. That that treatment center that I referenced, I actually I work there now. um, Mm -hmm. I I work on our it's called Odyssey Unit. It's young adults, Mm and nineteen through twenty three. And 90% are, are addicted to
0: heroin. And it's wow. So, you know, it I, it might be going on here and I don't even know it, but um, I remember reading, I think Vermont had a really bad problem with heroin, and I guess it's just spread well, all over the country, yeah, hasn't it? It is.
1: And, you know, we, we preach, you know, that, that idea of, you know, looking for the similarities and not the mm-hmm. differences, but. These guys will lose things in six months to a year that took us yep. five to ten years. You know, God, it's, it's just incredible. Yep. So that, you know,
0: what is it? Is it because heroin is so inexp? What is it? How? Why is heroin so popular now? I don't. I don't get so it. Well, what's
1: what's happening with a lot of these guys is um, maybe sports injuries or you know some kind of injury leads them to be introduced to Vicodin whatever, uh-huh. you know, whatever. And, um, they either get hooked on them that way or it starts as just experimenting, get hooked on Vicodin and then you step up to Oxys, whatever, you know, yeah, stronger and stronger and stronger. So you get to the point where you're spending a couple hundred dollars, you're not getting anything out of it. Somebody will introduce them to heroin and say, Hey, this is the same thing. It's way cheaper and then the guys will start out by snorting it or smoking it and then all of a sudden they're injecting it and then that's when it's, it's game over that's when they lose everything they you know are stealing out of walmarts you know out of, out of kroger you know whatever any whatever it takes stealing breaking into cars whatever it takes and it's it's just so sad to see you know yeah the age of these guys a lot of them are convicted felons, you know, they are going to be, that are felons for the rest of their life. And they're only Damn. eighteen, twenty 20 years old.
0: We're, our, man, our system is so broken. It's, it's, you know, they're, they're, once you're a felon, you can't, it's hard to ever get another job. You know, it's like, you know, you see people come out of prison and they're trying to get their life together and no one is going to give them a chance and they get in prison in the first place because of drugs or alcohol. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's cool being kind of on the, the front lines of, of this thing and, and giving mm-hmm. back in, in a way that's so meaningful. Um,
0: so do you work as a counselor?
1: Um, I'm, I'm a step below. I don't have the, the fancy paperwork yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I'm, uh, I'm considered, it's uh, called a recovery coach. So I'm I actually going to be starting that role here at the end of this month, I think, maybe the beginning of the year. And I'm going to be switching that's over good. to working with adolescents. So I'm uh-huh. going to be working with 13 year olds.
0: Well good for you. Yeah. That's good that, that's that must be rewarding.
1: It is and it's it's a constant reminder every day, you know, five days out of the week, I'm spending eight hours surrounded by what I don't want to become again. Yeah. You know, it's and it was stressed to me from the beginning. Like this isn't your program. These aren't your sponsees, you know, mm-hmm. but share your knowledge. Share your experiences. Mm-hmm. And that does uh, happen on occasion where someone is really struggling and we're supposed to be careful about how much we, you know, give out personal, personally, mm-hmm. but on occasion, like I'll tell a guy like, Hey, I am an atheist. You know, mm-hmm. I am openly secular and I have found a way to make this program work. Mm-hmm. So there's been more than one guy that I've printed off the agnostic 12 steps for pointed, cool. pointed him in the direction of AA agnostica and being like, Hey, like here are resources like you can make this work.
0: Awesome. That's cool. That's, that's really neat to hear. We, we probably need to do, our group should try to reach out more to treatment centers around here uh, so that at least they know about us because there's a lot of people in treatment that would love to know about, uh, you know, a secular alternative in AA mm-hmm. that just don't know about it. Yeah. So
1: and uh, you, you referenced the, the age, like there's, I, I spend a lot of time in meetings in suburbs of Indianapolis. Um, I live on the, the north side of, uh, of Indianapolis in a, in a suburb. And so I spend a lot of time in meetings where I'm the youngest or close to the youngest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've turned, I turned—I just turned 33 this year. And I'm still mm-hmm. in a lot of meetings where I'm, you know, one of the youngest guys. I'm surrounded by a lot of 40, 50, 60-year-olds. And yeah, that, to me, that's been helpful um the young the younger meetings tend to be a little more chaotic Um, Uh people tend to kind of come in and out and yeah come 15 minutes late leave five minutes early and it's just really distracting so i need to be around people that are focused and and you know
0: really giving this a legitimate When I was starting out at my old home group uh, back in 88, there were a lot of us that were in our 20s that were starting off. And um, our group was growing for like the first several years, I guess, that I was uh, going to meetings there and and we were attracting other people that were coming in. But at at a certain point, that group stopped growing. And we were all growing old together. And next thing you know, you look around, we're all middle aged, (laughs) and there's like a one twenty year old in the room or whatever, you know. So that's just a sign that that group wasn't doing too well. Um, you know, I think groups need to, you know, you gotta you gotta have a steady stream of new people that are that are, you know, you gotta be reaching out and helping people. Yeah, and I and
1: I I mentioned that workshop that I that, that I spent time in. I'm actually right now in the middle of doing. A, a, tw- a, a workshop um, that's sponsored by the We Agnostics meeting, yeah. and um, it's a bunch of guys from that group, guys and girls, and um, we're working, we're we're doing the steps from a secular perspective.
0: Well, isn't that cool? Yeah,
1: so that that's been really cool. We only meet once a we, we meet once a month, and then we do you know we have about a two hour session and talk about our experiences with how we've made it work people in there a couple of months to people with years so that's
0: well that's neat so you guys are actually putting on a workshop where where people from other groups can go and Um, everything
1: yeah yeah it it was well we we closed it off after step two maybe step three Uh because it just it gets hard when you don't close close it off because then people come in and out or somebody comes in and you
0: know they they're they're behind or whatever and Right. just easier to, to just say like hey we're gonna
1: close it after this period of time and then you really get to know that that particular group of, of individuals mm-hmm. so it's, uh, it's it's just it's it's so awesome that, that that exists it's so awesome that things like this podcast exists
0: like- <laughs> this podcast has been kind of fun I'm i'm getting a little bit better with the quality and so forth of it and it's it's kind of odd. I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm really quite the introvert. And if I was at a party somewhere, um, having small talk with somebody is like my least favorite thing to do. And, and here I am on a, on a, doing these podcasts with people, but I enjoy it. I I love talking to people, especially it's, I guess it's a lot easier when you're talking to someone in the program.
1: Right, right. It's that small talk thing. Yes, I'm extremely, (laughs) extremely introverted as well. Painfully introverted sometimes and that can be a challenge in meetings sometimes. I oh, yeah.
0: And, and, you know, I'm also thinking uh, it, this is a lot different than the crap that I, I, I it's the it's the cocktail party at uh, work that I hate more than anything else in the world. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is I love talking to people in the program. I could just do this forever.
1: Yeah, I'm way better at this than, you know, that stuff because we already have that common ground, you know.
0: Yeah. We just start yep. from
1: there and then it goes into wherever it goes, because that's what I always have a problem finding common ground with people because um, mm-hmm. I don't like that small talk. You know, I, I want to talk about things that have some depth, you know, I want to yeah. <laughs> talk about, you know, all the craziness that's going on in my head.
0: <laughs>
1: yep. People tend to not want to do that.
0: Well, it's kind of fun talking to somebody from the indie indie group because I, I uh, I've always heard about, you know, I know about the Indianapolis group. Um, I, you know, I, have got, we have seen, I've seen your website and I've uh, met people online from the Indianapolis group, and actually, a friend of mine—actually, the guy who helped start our meeting here in Kansas City—just moved to Indianapolis, and he goes to that group now. Oh, okay. Jim is his name. Jim. Sounds familiar. C. Jim C. He moved from Kansas City.
1: Wow. Yeah, I definitely have. He's an older guy. Okay. Now, that's uh, a reference.
0: Time I, uh, yeah, he's pretty cool. He uh, he's in his uh, I guess seventies. He he's a retired professor from the college. Uh, but I've known him for a long, long, long time, like for twenty years or whatever, uh, and uh, probably longer than that. But uh, he was the only atheist I knew in the program, and I and when I finally couldn't take any more of the of the stuff and the meetings. I, I went up to him, told him about these agnostic meetings, asked him if he'd like to do one. He said, oh, yeah, sure. Next thing you know, we're doing this meeting together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, he's in Indianapolis now.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's something that is definitely something I would like to do is is to start a meeting. And, you know, if um, at that, there's a club, like I said, there's a club in the city that I live in. And, you know, I've been talking to an, a, another individual in the program that mm-hmm. she's, she's ready to get, get it going. So. The, the need is there, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, you should do it. It's the it, it's been the best experience of my life, I think, is starting helping start an AA group. And every once in a while I'll just sit back and just watch people enjoy the meeting or get better in the meeting or, or, or express some gratitude about their recovery and it's like it's very satisfying. It's it's amazing. It's like, wow, this is so cool. Yeah. This is what it's this is what it's really all about.
1: Yeah, that, that makes me think about something that I feel like is missing from my program um, is working with
0: others. I, I don't yeah. I really
1: don't have any sponsors. And some of it is definitely work related. Um, yeah. But I think some of it, too, is is the belief system or lack thereof, you know, because um, yeah. I think some, that, that turns some people off. But, you know, I guess I just don't actively seek it, No, i'm just kind of waiting and it'll be my turn when it is you know
0: i've never been much on sponsoring people i i I think for for whatever reason a lot of people wouldn't ask me to be be their sponsor (laughs) i don't know why but uh, now i do sponsor quite a few people but i'm not a very good sponsor (laughs) Uh, i'm not real good at talking on the phone and that type of thing um and nowadays you know I, i I guess it was easier for me to sponsor back when I was more of a hardcore AA guy where I was really rigid about how you do the mm-hmm. steps. And yes. I would take people through and underline and highlight the book like people did with me. Yeah. But now it's like, I'm like, yeah, you know, do the steps or don't do the steps, it, 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 whatever you want. You know, yes. um, the main thing is don't drink and go to meetings. And
1: that's how my sponsor is. That's how my sponsor taught me. He's real hands off. He is, he is not a big book thumper. Uh, he cannot quote lines out of the book. You know, and that's what I needed. I, needed, yeah. you know, some guys need that hard ass that's on top right. of, them. you know, that's, that's not what I needed. I needed that little more gentle experience. Yeah. I was so yeah. hesitant to, to jump in and I yeah. have worked with guys before and, and that is definitely my approach, you know, like, um, we can work these steps. We cannot. you can yeah. I mean, you cannot. it's your program, you know? Yep. And that's that's something that's been really cool for me to do is figure out what my program
0: looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's that was key to me is uh, that there's one line in in the chapter of the agnostics that 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 is a good line. It says, don't don't let your prejudice of religious terms deter you from asking yourself what they honestly mean to you. And I, and now of course they were trying to convince us to become um, religious, but I, I turned that around and said, yeah, I'll ask, I'll I'll ask myself, what did these things mean to me? So I, I, that means that gives me the freedom to interpret this and and tell myself, you know, this is my interpretation of the steps. And I did that. I wrote them all out for myself and, uh, that's what makes the program work for me. Um, you know, I think everybody should do that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, today I, I have to, I have to keep things really, really simple Uh, because I drove myself insane in those early days trying to be overly analytical with with the steps you know I've I've been able to to just really narrow it down you know one one's pretty easy you know two and three I'm just you know I've figured out that there is something that can help and then I'm just making a decision to keep moving
0: yeah
1: get to four and five and you know it would that was, that was a really important period when I wrote, wrote down Step 4 and then shared it um, with my sponsor. I had that first feeling of serenity and peace that I kept hearing about. Mm-hmm. The hamster wheel stopped, you know, because mm-hmm. he said, you know, take an hour, which, you know, he, he had something he did take from the book was, you know, talking about mm-hmm. taking an hour, just thinking about your experience and then just let me know. And I said I didn't think for an hour, which you know is not how I normally operate. Right. Um, so I've had I have had really good experiences over the last two and a half years, and it's because I changed. Yeah. AA did change, you know. Um, right. The world has the world has changed a little bit, but it's it's
0: me. We do. It's me
1: that's changed. It's my
0: perspectives. Yeah. Well, Weston, this has been really nice. I, I thank you again so much for agreeing to do this. Um, it was great talking to you. It sounds like uh, Indianapolis has a really thriving AA community out there. I'm going to have to get out there and visit my friend and go to those groups sometime.
1: We are, we are so lucky out here. I mean, there's upwards of 500 meetings in the Indianapolis metro area.
0: Cool. It's, it's just awesome. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Well, that's another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be talking to you very soon. But until then, take care and be well.